Welcome back to Out of the Bubble. My name's Rachel Peru and I'm a grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Outer Bubble podcast. I started a new career four years ago, age 46, and found on social media so many amazing, inspiring women who were really embracing life and leaving a trail of inspiration along the way, helping to break down those stereotypical middle-aged barriers. So I thought the podcast would be a great way to share some of these stories with you. So season three, I'm really excited to be back. I've been chatting with a diverse set of women of all ages, whose stories I know will help women become more confident in body and mind. I'm so excited to be talking to today's guest, former model and now owner of Bridge Models in London, my agency, is Charlotte Griffiths. And I'm going to be talking to her today and finding out more about the woman behind one of the UK's top curve model agencies. So the tables are going to be turned on Charlotte today and I'm looking forward to finding out a lot more about her. So welcome Charlotte. Hi Rachel. Hello, cheers lovely, hello. Cheers, cheers, cheers. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you too. So how's lockdown looking for you? Um, lockdown, you know, I'm actually quite, quite enjoying it. I'm enjoying um, the time to sort of have a new routine. I'm enjoying the time sort of to myself to, to crack on. Um, and I just constantly, one of my worst traits is I'm, I have no, um, no issue coming up with to-do lists. So I've turned into a bit of a handy andy and a diy expert at the moment oh, wow. so um so it's, it's it's good fun i'm enjoying it but um i'm not sure i'll probably uh probably regret half the things i've been trying to attempt to do on my house in the, in the meantime no one's seeing it though so no one can see how bad it is that's <laughs> <laughs> not gonna show up it's not gonna show up on your instagram feed no 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 exactly exactly you'll see carefully placed plants where i might have put a picture up wrong or done something <laughs> terrible so I'll, I'll find good ways of uh, of making it uh, making it appear fine <laughs> so, so no, it's going doesn't know you how do you describe yourself and how would you describe which model agency i for people who know me um and i'm going to try and think of uh, affectionate terms here they would probably describe me as um very motivated um almost you know to a point of um frustration to others um they would probably describe me as um i'm quite impatient the motivation i think comes um in hand with um not being very patient with others so I do struggle with that quite a lot because um, I'm definitely a, a doer um, and probably one of my other traits is I'm very um, I guess empathetic so I you know I, I, I tend to take on a lot of um, a lot of you know friends family other people sort of emotions and that can be sort of you know I think in some ways it's a it's a lovely trait but it can be very um very all-consuming it's very hard to understand sometimes why you're feeling a certain way about something when you feel like you very easily um resonate with others mm -hmm. so yeah i would probably say yeah those, those are probably the three main traits that um impact me on a on a day-to-day day-to-day basis that sort of make up a make up my character so to speak <laughs> this is very fun for me because i get to turn the tables today and find out more about you it's lovely <laughs> I know, I know, it's really strange. Normally I'm contacting all of you guys for interviews and, uh, and going through all the questions. And now it's, yeah, like you said, it's the other way around. So putting, putting me to the test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you describe Bridge Models Agency? I would describe Bridge, um, and I try to not use those, um, you know, those buzzwords or those terms, but I would really describe it as, as a management agency. Um, you know, I what I really enjoy about it is that we are boutique, you know, we don't have hundreds and hundreds of models on the books. So what I do really enjoy is, um, you know, progressing individual careers. Um, you know, it's not a situation where the models just sort of, you know, sit on a board and, and, you know, get picked out occasionally for bookings. I really feel like we're in the business of trying to develop individual goals and passions and, we spend just as much time on, you know, press interviews, you know, personal um, achievements that, you know, that you guys might want as we will do on the paid bookings, the contracts, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
So I really feel that um, you know over the years we've found our style in sort of being a, a full management agency. You know, we do aim on you know bridging the gap, uh, so to speak, between um, you know the straight size market and the curve industry. But really, I try to navigate away from sort of using those terms too much because my main aim really is to just have it be an agency that represents models and you know if you really want to be diverse I feel like using certain terminology that creates its own categories like plus size and curve etc is, is almost um you know causing causing the problems itself so yeah. I really it's it's a tough one. I can see I can see both sides. You know, it's been a discussion for for many years. You know, is plus size a term that's empowering to sort of own, and and I I can see both sort of view sets on it. But ideally, a point that I personally and as a business we'd love to get to is that you know we're a modeling agency, and, yeah. and that we just you know we just have a diverse board um, of models, and that it doesn't need to be categorize so you'll notice we don't really use as a company we try not to use that vocabulary on our social media or you know any news articles that we do or etc yeah. we really try and sort of um make it i feel that that way as a social sort of responsibility you start to drip feed that it um that it's normal that it that it should be sort of you know recognized i feel that the more you use certain words and and uh, and terms to create its own different category then the harder it will be especially you know on these social platforms people yeah. to to recognize that you know you'll never you'll never go on um and open up you know vogue magazine and be like this straight size model is you know yeah, it would exactly. just never it would never be used so i feel yeah. like um, feel like start start as you need to go on in that way so that's that's really what we try to do and and really just promoting you know health in in all shapes and sizes you know it's not it's not a size um we're not here to to shock we're we're just here to diversify so it's a it's a balance it's a balancing act but um but a full full management agency is is the part that i really enjoy because it's more personal and it means more when you build the relationships with the models and the talent that, that you get to work with because it just means so much more when you get those big goals and those opportunities ticked off yeah. their off their bucket list really and you do <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to before you started the agency so how old were you when you actually started modeling oh god i was five or eight at the age of 14 so um so literally it was it was just because i was tall um that i got picked up to do um some little runway events like sort of local area stuff um for you know local brands um and then i did sort of showroom it never went any you know anywhere um huge because it was sort of something i was pursuing as and when on the side um so 14 i did my first event and then yeah it was sort of as and when maybe one or two events a year and then i got to uh 18 and puberty had sort of hit um i was a bit of a late late bloomer i got five foot eight and then everything else came came later for me um and uh, and so later in life, you know, puberty hit, and um, you know, I developed curves, and uh, I just wasn't fitting into the into the clothes and the the sample sizes. And I remember the last event I did, I went to a fitting, and uh, I had to wear a, a pencil skirt, and it was one of those pencil skirts that um, the seam goes up on the back, yeah. so instead of instead of at the side. And it just wouldn't wouldn't go over, wouldn't go over, uh, wouldn't go over my bum, and uh, and it just it was humiliating. And I remember an email going out to everybody in the show like two days later, saying uh, from the organizer saying, you know, um, you really can't be fluctuating sizes. And we all knew it was sort of targeted at, at me. Yeah. Um, but it went out to everybody, and I was just. It really, really, really affected me, and I was just devastated. And uh, I, I was still, I was still booked to do the show. They had to find another outfit for me. Um, still booked to do the show, and did the did the runway event. And uh, and really, it was just I just fell out of love with it. I went to the 
the toilets um, backstage and some of the girls, I always remember this, some of the girls were eating, uh, I think I've probably talked to you about this before actually, were eating toilet paper yeah. to feel full. Yeah. Um, so that email wasn't, even though I knew I was the only one that didn't fit the clothes two days before the show, so I knew that was sort of targeted towards me, um, it went out to everybody. It clearly, you know, worried the other girls who all looked great and, and hadn't, you know, looked fantastic in their clothes. Um, and they were in the toilets just not having any water and they were just feeling so hungry. And some, one of them had read on some silly website that it was a way to sort of curb cravings and they were just eating that. And I just, I just drew, drew a line under it that day. Um, because it was just such a slippery slope for me mentally. I just, I was like, couldn't, couldn't do it really. So, and it's, and it is hard. And it's, um, so that was really the, the small amount of time I, that I was in the industry, um, not even doing, you know, big campaigns or anything like that, you know, small projects. And I probably did a handful of maybe 12, 15 jobs mm. and those you know events alone had such a big big effect on me at a time when my body was changing yeah, I'm surprised. yeah i think everybody thinks that puberty hits you and and you know by 20 your body is is where it's at but my body changed so much from 18 to 25 yeah. you know and it, and it continues to it continues to change that um that yeah it was a kind of uh, insecurity that i didn't really need at the time and I had a strong enough sort of family network to sort of notice that it was affecting me for me to sort of go okay I uh, I'm going to take a step back and work work behind the scenes really so that's that's how that all started. Well you are lucky that you had a you had that kind of inside sense in yourself that you knew this wasn't right for you and also that you had your family support because I can imagine so many girls in that situation carry on and really that's when they do develop these massive issues. Yeah, it's quite yeah. scary really. Do you think yeah. it's changed or do you think it's still like that under underground? No, I am. Um, I still, you know, I, I still have um, a lot of friends sort of in the, if we're going to say, you know, straight size market. Um, so I still think um, those sort of, we'll say the old school ways are still in place. Um, I think, um, I think the change is really going to start to happen when people are getting more involved, who are passionate about it in the sort of more managerial sort of roles. Yeah. Um, you know, the people that I was hearing those comments from, I know are still in the industry today. Um, you know, so I know that those comments will still, they won't have changed their outset, their look. Um, and, you know, if they've been in the industry for, you know, 40 years, for example, they're, there's an element where they're only human and they've been brought up that way and they've been brought up with that sort of dialogue and those, um, you know, thinking that it's okay to sort of relay those terms without any consequences mm -hmm. um, and almost thinking that that's them doing their job. So I think it's very, I think until you get that new wave of, um, you know, people who are working their way up in the industry at the moment, sort of having that power and control, I think... Yeah. I think it might take a little bit longer because, um, you know, old old dogs, new tricks, etc., which yeah. is disappointing. But, um, you know, some people just sort of have, have those habits uh, ingrained in them. So unfortunately, I do know that those people are still working in the industry. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, 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 you know, I think a lot of people will still be experiencing it. And I think social media as well can have a lot of impact on, you know, it's so much easier to sort of, google a stupid diet now or to sort of have a look at tips and and that's what these girls were were doing and that was that was over 10 years ago you know, yeah. they were in a toilet and they were they were on their mobile phones and they were showing me this article whilst explaining they were doing what they were doing so i can imagine that's only um more accessible now so when you stopped modeling how how soon after that did you decide that you would like to get more in, involved in the behind the scenes and in management um, to be honest with you, it was it was pretty quickly afterwards. I started looking at internships. Um, you know, I found the process quite quite fascinating behind the scenes, um, and you know, I'd made a lot of contacts in the industry. So, sort of a little bit after that, I yeah was starting to apply for internships. I got one. So that show was in March, and I got an internship 
in September. Mm. Um, and then, to be honest with you, <laughs> you have all these different areas of, of the industry and, and sometimes, you know, I'll probably be relaying a lot of negatives, but I think at the same time, they're incredibly useful to have these experiences. But my first internship, it was, uh, it was advertised as a fashion modeling agency. I went in for two interviews um, and they offered me the job and I was so excited. I moved to London. I was like, yep, yeah, absolutely. This is, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and day, day one, I went in, uh, it was an agency, I had an office in Fulham. And, um, and I started to see all the, I saw these images in the office that I hadn't seen when I went into the interview of like FHM um, and all these old sort of magazines. And, uh, and I was sitting down and about midday, I, I realized that they were a glamour modeling agency. Oh. <laughs> but they were trying to, and I turned around and and I was like, I'm sorry, I thought we would, I thought this was a fashion agency and, and the website and they had this back end website. Oh no. That, and I was like, oh my God. And I'd made this big move to London and, oh, and it was, um, you know, it was one of those experiences where, you know, the industry, as, as you know, Rachel, it's, um, people will turn around and are very good at fluffing their roles and their job titles and 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 what they're doing and uh, and yeah they they were wanting to sort of move away from it. However, this CD side of the business was sort of still going on. Um, so I was to be honest with you, I was a, I was very humiliated. I I cracked on and I I stuck with the internship. I'd moved to London. I'd got this flat. I said you know this is what I was doing, and they'd said to me, oh no no no, we're we're moving away from it. We're not we're not booking that. Um, and then I was there for three months and, uh, and one of the things, um, that sort of does frustrate me about this industry is, you know, it's such a desirable career path for so many people that, um, a lot of businesses, I think, take advantage of that with internships Yeah. in regards to, you know, they're, they're unpaid. Um, and very quickly I, I wasn't doing an internship anymore. I was, I had a job title. I wasn't yeah. allowed to tell the models. I was an intern. Um, I was sort of asked to fluff my, my job description up and, and my experience. Um, and then I was having solo meetings with clients mm -hmm. and the models on behalf of the team. And, and this was, you know, you, you go with the flow. You, you don't know any different and you don't know your, your worth. And it was, um, it was but, you know, I'd, I'd learned a lot. I was thrown in the deep end um, in that way, but, um, yeah, it can, it can attract, um, a lot of abuse in, in so many different areas, whether you're, you're being a model on a runway or whether you're, you're desperate to get into the industry and you, you know, do an internship for a business, you know, there's, you've got to be very cautious of, um, of who you're sort of working with and, and the experiences you get. Yeah. So, and then I was lucky enough, um, I met, uh, a colleague who, uh, who started the started at the company as well? Uh, realized within two weeks what I had already known, but was smart enough to get out. Uh, went to another company. She told me about a position there, um, and then uh, I became a booker at Hughes, uh, which was a modeling agency that came over from Australia, and they sort of specialized in the curb industry and the, the plus size market. And it wasn't one I'd, I'd heard of before then, but I had been, you know, working with the glamour sector. I had been working with a lot of, you know, curvy, curvy girls who, you know, were very insecure about their size. Um, so it was really interesting to sort of go into this new niche market. Um, and, and I loved it. And I, I just became so passionate about it. And the people that I was working with and the brands that I was working with, um, was just something that I, I just I soaked up like a sponge really so yeah and that that was really how I found this industry and, and that and that market and, um, and I absolutely loved it and really it was it was such a, an amazing experience working for, for Cheryl who, who ran Hughes and when she uh, when she retired from the business it was um, you know absolutely the right time for her to do so so that's when um, you know myself and Beth had a had a conversation and and really wanted to do things on on our timeline really and and too many gin and tonics happened and um, <laughs> all the best ideas <laughs> all the best ideas come from a gin and tonic 
yeah, I think we kind of played chicken with each other a little bit. Um, you know, we were we she um she talked to me about the idea and um and and really sold me on it. And we had such a great working relationship where we really you know relied and trusted on each other that when when she sort of talked to me about it it was something that i was like how how can i how can i not give this a go um and really being able to do things um you know in this industry to your own standard and your own morals and your own ethics was something that i was really craving from the majority of different experiences like every other company I'd been at I'd experienced something that I would have liked to have done differently yeah um and really that's that's how it all how it all got started and what kind of reaction did you get from the industry once you decided that's what you were going to do when you were set out solely as that as representing the kind of plus middle size yeah yeah we'd we've um I mean, what I think is really helpful is that we both had, you know, uh, a reputation in the industry beforehand. So mm. a lot of clients and brands, um, you know, we had really good relationships with. Um, I think, you know, going into the industry and talking about, you know, and again, it was trying to find that balance. We knew we didn't want to shout about being different and niche. It was this weird sort of, you know, ethical balance of going, you know, yes, the models are a variety of different shapes and sizes and we're really proud of it, but we also don't want to contradict ourselves and have to shout about it. You should just think they're beautiful and stunning and, you know, they'll, they'll do great for your campaign. So it was really finding your, your own marketing voice when sort of talking to the clients that, that rings true to the business. And, um, and the approach was really great. You know, I think what we were trying to do is, and what we still do, is like I said, have a have a smaller board of models where we have the time and the attention to you know talk to the models you know every other day, to catch up on measurements, Polaroids, to sort of really have that that one on one feedback with them. Whereas other agencies I've been at before, whether straight size curve had sort of um, gone for the tactic of you know let's have hundreds and hundreds of models on the board. Um, and we'll throw 20 at a job and if one of them sticks great we booked a job yeah now what we were experiencing as the bookers is you can't you can only do that for so long the clients get frustrated you know you could be suggesting a model for a job and not realize they've dyed their hair pink because you haven't spoken to them in six months you know yeah. and you you lose your um your integrity professionally with clients because um you're wasting their time you know their time's really valuable as well so very quickly, you know, that reputation and that standard that we had when somebody would get in touch, that trust was there in us to say, yes, no, we know that, you know, Rachel will be there absolutely at, you know, 9am tomorrow. This is 100% what she looks like. She hasn't got a tattoo on her forehead overnight. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> All sorts of random, random things like that. And, um, and because we would have that relationship with both the clients and the models you had the time to have those conversations to really to go and see the clients and sit down and discuss what they're wanting um which you just didn't have the time to do because you had too many models too much admin work to do um and i think the quality just gets really affected by that so i think the response was really positive because we didn't try to allude to being bigger than we were by having 200 models by launching but you know only only two team members whereas we've grown the team and we've actually only increased our our models by by 20 percent over over six years and we're not going to go any bigger than we are now so i think um keeping that and maintaining that um has been been really important for us just you know growing our team of bookers but keeping the models you know consistent in, in size really that's what i love about being with you is, is that is that personal touch i do know that you, mm -hmm. you you know me and i feel like you know me and i'm not just a picture on a board and a number and i can imagine in some of the bigger agencies you know i'm sure they do really well but they sometimes like you say there's there's a you're know, one in 200 women and you, you lose that sense of team i think and it's nice yeah. to be part of a team that's, yeah and i that's think really like yeah and I'm, and I'm so pleased you feel that way and I think especially when you do deal with a niche market you know time is of 
of the essence and you want somebody who is, you know, going to be able to push you and where you're going to stand out when suggestions are being made on your behalf, mm. you know, from the brand um, and from the agency. And I think, um, you know, like I said, having that, having that personal touch is, is great. It gives us a lot more job satisfaction as a team. You know, it's an industry that has a high turnover of staff, but you know, like Mario and Amber have been with me for three years. I think they're going to be here for a very yeah. long time. <laughs> kind of a bit, bit, un, bit unheard of really. So I'd like to think, you know, they, you might want to interview them and I'll say something completely different. Um, but <laughs> I'd like to think that you get more job satisfaction from that because when we find out, you know, that somebody's got the job, like it's like, it's such an amazing feeling because you are rooting for everybody because you do know everybody. Yeah. Um, so the level of job satisfaction for us as well is really, is really important because, um, because it's a lot of highs and lows and we fully, fully appreciate that it's a lot more up and down for you guys. So to have that relationship when we're telling you quite vulnerable information, you know, we yeah. try to not estimate that being told you haven't got the job is doesn't get any easier no matter who you are um so you know to have somebody who you can have that conversation with where it is disappointing um i think i think is important as well just mental health wise as well it's a very strange industry to be in definitely yeah it is it's a real roller coaster <laughs> i would never have been able to manage it mentally in my 20s i think it's much i think yeah. it's for younger for younger girls it must be really yeah yeah no i think that's really interesting and it is yeah it's, it's one of those things that um you know you can you can try and have you know a, a, a blase uh, you know approach to it and go oh you know maybe maybe next time but we're all we're all human and it's all you know all all adds up really so um so yeah i think uh, i think it is really interesting to sort of see the different different viewpoints to it and like i said experience is uh is definitely in, integral to sort of try and have a a more positive outlook really yeah. so do you think so have you seen in the last five years a, a shift in the fashion industry and the move towards being genuinely more diverse yeah i've been i've been really um definitely these five years more than the five before mm. um you know it's really picked up momentum um i think what's what's been really positive um you know with brands seeing the value um i think the um introduction of the menswear market and being yeah. able to sort of have diversity for men as well has elevated the conversation for women as well like it's, it they go hand in hand and they complement each other really well so you know in the last five years so, so we launched the men's board in 2016 um and you know that's picked up so much quicker than the women the women's market was going on for about 30 years beforehand mm -hmm. um you know and but i think by introducing the men's market by opening up the conversation with men as well it you know it normalizes it it sort of brings the brings the topic to the forefront um and i think it's just um i think across the world you know you've seen a huge range of, of like diversity so Beforehand, you'd probably see Germany, maybe, you know, 10 years ago, Germany was really sort of leading the forefront in the, in the curve market for women, and they were really sort of ahead of the game. Um, but now you just see so much more production and investment in the US, um, you know, same back in Australia, um, you know, and a lot more in the UK. So just within five years, I think a value has definitely been, um, definitely been placed on the market. And um, and we are starting to see, you know, a lot more models in editorials. Um, I still, I mean, there's always there's always ways to go. I'm I'm trying to be sort of you know, positive about it, but I still think, um, you know, ageism for women is still such a huge mm. huge area that's still, in my mind, so far behind. Yeah. Um, you know, so you'll see some areas get elevated, um, you know, and and you'll see. Uh, you'll see that happen and, and you'll think, great, fantastic. And then you'll, you'll look in another market and you'll go, well, hang on, wonderful that, you know, there's Curve Model in, in Harper's Bazaar, you know, um, this month she looks fantastic, um, but she's about 22, yeah. you know? So you can't yeah. have everything, I, I do appreciate that. But, um, but those, those milestones that we're seeing sort of happen, um, I feel, you know, uh, there's other ways to diversify the market and not just sort of have 
have those different brackets. So still, still a long way to go. Um, but yeah, I think in the in the last five years, the momentum that's picked up, um, you know, in different territories across the world, has been really, really interesting. Because now you're in New York, have you noticed a difference in attitudes in the industry from America to the UK? Are we yeah. the US in attitude, or are we? We're actually quite far forward. Um, so in regards to, uh, to the attitude towards, towards the market, um, you know, there's that term that we sort of use in the industry that you'll be really sort of familiar with, which is sort of the in-between model, mm. you know, where brands aren't quite sure if they, um, you know, they just go from sort of the straight size, you know, eight to 10, and then um, they might jump straight to sort of the size 18. So there's still a market um, that's quite underrepresented. Now that's still very much in play in the US. So a lot of the briefs that we get through, a lot of the brands, um, you know, for the sort of the, the bigger, um, well-known sort of chains, um, you sort of get that um, get that segregation, um, whereas I think in Europe and the UK you've seen, um, you know, especially in the last three years, a lot more diversity with the in between sizes and sort of really showing you know, variety of women in different shapes and sizes, also different heights. Um, and there, I think in Europe especially, we're a lot more um, forward thinking when it comes to diversity with different ethnicities and heritages. I think you still see um, it being, you know, a, a few steps behind with the US. So it is really, it's interesting to have um, that outlook and to sort of yeah. view the and view what's changing. I think um, a lot of people can think New York and the US is really far ahead in the, in the fashion industry, mm -hmm. but when it comes to diversity, um, I think you see it dripping in a lot more from Europe to the UK and, and it sort of, it, it changes. I think change can happen a lot quicker here than it can, it can in the state. So it is quite interesting to sort of view it across both boards. Yeah. So you go back to the straight size and then the in-between size. So in the industry, what is the actual cutoff point for a straight size model? Is it a size 10? It's a size eight for the majority of the sort of straight size agencies, um, but then the hip can be can be a size 10. Okay. So depending on that, really the, the measurements, um, what we tend to find, so we've got some models on our board who um, have been at straight size agencies before. Um, and then again, you know, we sort of talked about bodies changing in their 20s, you know, they get a little bit curvier. Um, really, if their, if their bra size goes, bigger than a, than a C, then they'll struggle with, with sample sizes. So, you know, the measurements have got to be very, um, uh, very proportionate all, all the way down. So if they sort of have, have a cut bigger than a C, then, you know, button, we all know shirts, you know, if we try to button yeah. shirts don't seem to actually be made for No, mine are always sewn in the middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and see, I think you're wearing a polo that seat jumper. I'm wearing exactly the same. Um, so, yeah, so really it's, it's more to do with, with those proportions um, and, and heights, really. So, um, so yeah, so eight is, is a cutoff, but if they've got, um, you know, a good sort of hourglass figure, um, then you can get some that, that have a size 10. But as we all know, you know, and it's always driven me a little bit bonkers. You know, with women, we have dress sizes 8, 10. But then, you know, men, if you go to buy trousers, you buy... You buy the measurements, yeah. you'll buy a 32 waist. Yeah. It's not as open to interpretation, whereas I feel like um, half the confusion for us women and half, half of the, the disappointment is um, the artistic license that brands will take yeah. to interpretation, um, you know, and, and some of the, you know, we'll do some bookings for fittings. And we'll see the measurement requirements come through from one brand saying, oh, we're looking for a size size 12. And then we'll see another brand come through and you, you see it black and white, pure as day, that, that they're inches, mm. inches apart, really. So, um, so there's a lot more, uh, I'll stick to my term of artistic license. Yeah, I don't know why it still shocks me, but it does. But it's yeah, so but yeah, it shouldn't do. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. What's been yeah. a highlight so far for you with Bridge? Has there been real moments where you've just thought, "Yes, this is why I set it up." Oh gosh, yeah. And you know what? You let them go by too quickly because because the the industry moves so quickly. Mm -hmm. 
as you know, people get confirmed for jobs, you know, 24 hours beforehand or something, you know, so, um, you know, when something wonderful happens, it's, it's great news, but then on to the next because it's such a quick moving, quick moving industry. But, um, but I love those, I love that element of it. So, you know, moments where we've had, um, I remember Mahalia coming, she joined the agency in like 2015. She'd been in London for like three months from Australia. Um, and it mean, you know, she's, she's got, um, so much passion for, for the market, so much passion for the industry. And, you know, she felt like she was really struggling in Australia, um, to sort of break that diversity, you know, barrier. And she'd been here three months and we had a brief come through. We had to, we weren't sure what the client was. Sometimes we, we get this where, you know, they won't disclose. And they were saying, you know, we want some casting tapes um, and we want the models to sort of dance around to some music, singing along. And then they get a phone call. They've had some bad news and they're really upset. So I was like, okay, maybe it's a TV commercial or maybe it's a, I'm not, wasn't really sure. Um, anyway, Mahalia did a video for us. We sent them all off uh, and she was selected and it turned out to be for Selfridges. Um, had nothing to I, to this day I just think the casting director might have been a little bit bored <laughs> and just, just had had a bad day and you know, wanted to really you know push the boat out on that one but um, yeah it was for it was for Selfridges and she um, was the first you know plus size model for, for that campaign and when they were launching their um, body studio in the store on, on Bond Street. We went along for the launch day for her to do press. And what, you know, as amazing as it was for her, the feeling of walking into the store with actually getting to be there with one of you guys when that moment's happening for you. Yeah. Um, and she was, you know, three stories high on, you know, these giant, um, uh, giant imprints on the side of the walls and advertising um, and you know absolutely everything that was they put so much work into this launch and to be there with her seeing that was just the most amazing moment because it meant so much to me to be able to book it you know it, it was an amazing opportunity and it was great to see but um, to see what it meant to her to see herself in this very prestigious department yeah. store on Bond Street, um, you know, in, in her lingerie, looking incredible. Um, and to see them be so proud of the campaign as well. You know, you can see some brands, um, you know, champion diversity, but maybe, you know, it could appear like a, like a token booking sometimes, you know, where you sort of see a, a variety of models and you think, great, well, they've been inclusive and diverse with shapes and sizes, but, what Selfridges really did is they were proud of it and they yeah. shouted yeah. it. And I think when you see that much investment go into it, um, that within itself was a really nice feeling. So that was, that was wonderful. Um, you know, cause so much of it, we're giving you guys the good news, but we're not there when you're doing the jobs yeah. or we're, we're imagining you on set or we're thinking, yeah. Oh God, how's it going? Or we'll see little behind the scenes snaps, but we're at our desks, you know, the our bit's not that glamorous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we can we get excited for you, but to, to be there with you when when you see yourself, you know, in, in a campaign in a store window, um, those are the moments that are sort of robbed from us quite a lot. So that that one sticks out to me because you know, she hadn't seen any of it beforehand and we both just walked in. Mm -hmm. And I think probably both felt like, you know, little girls that had to get professional very quickly <laughs> and just go right, okay, press, press in the corner. <laughs> just, we'll that. scream on the inside, scream on the inside. We'll go to the toilet, we'll jump up and down like kids and then we'll go back out doing wonderful. Brilliant. <laughs> Who's not? Yeah. And so, I know yeah. how passionate and how driven you are about the business. So where would you kind of, where do you want to be in five years time? Oh, I would, I would really love to see, um, you know, just the expansion as a business in whole going, um, you know, having more, more investment for not only the men's board, but for, you know, the women's market, um, really sort of being able to 
diversify the kind of kind of jobs you guys do you know i don't want it to just be um you know specializing in um you know these niche brands i want it to sort of work across you know a variety of um you know lifestyle beauty you know high fashion um you know i'd love to be able to look into producing our own events you know i've, I've very much felt that if you're not seeing the content that you want or if you're not seeing the yeah. change that you want to see um, I want to be able to try and facilitate that, you know, so that's really where I kind of see bridge going is, um, you know, we're not restricted by being part of, um, you know, another conglomerate in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is really why, why I set up bridge that you can have the time and you can action things on your own, um, on your own schedule and deadline. So I think in five years time, a lot more investment into events and production of the content with the brands that you know we want to see doing it um and just being able to facilitate the industry and moving quicker in any way that we can help do that whether that's um you know expanding into working with more artists and photographers and creatives sort of building that community so mm -hmm. that we can um you know facilitate that change faster and that that network that can that can produce that content so really yeah having a having a move into the space of um actually producing what we what we want to see is something that that i would really love to sort of expand into with the company that sounds exciting yeah yeah if you can't well it's the exact same reason that you're sort of seeing it Rachel. it's that you know if you're not hearing the content you, you want to hear if you're not um, seeing it and if you're not, you know, feeling inspired for a period of time because you feel a little bit isolated in your, in your um, view on things, then it's, you know, as, as wonderful and as, as much as we enjoy, you know, the day-to-day, -day, we are in a creative market industry. And I think, you know, myself and the whole team um, are very creative and being able to facilitate those opportunities for our models and in any way, shape or form, you know, through our relationships with brands, et cetera, um, then I think, you know, we have the power to be able to do that. And I think yeah. it's, um, yeah, and like I said, it's, it's a creative market. So to be creative in the space um, and to actually action what we talk about, um, you know, seems, seems important and just seems, you know, worthwhile, but also a lot of fun. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah <what's> this space? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Watch, watch this space. Look at, watch my to-do list. Get <laughs> you it. said it on here now. That's it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I like the level of commitment. I yes. like it. <laughs> what do you look for in a model? What makes a good model, in your opinion? Uh, what makes a good model? In my, you know what we get. Um, you know, hundreds of applications um, a day, which I'm very grateful for, um, and. When we're going through the applications, you know, we're looking for variety. Um, you know, as I mentioned, our, our board is concise, so we're not really looking for models to compete with each other. You know, if something isn't working or if we're not able to get, um, you know, a model with certain looks or um, measurements or a certain brief or requirement work, then we need to work on that. So we try, you know, one of the things I'm quite... Um, quite strict on is not having that element where the models are competing. So when we're looking at applications, making sure that we're really diversifying across the board and through sort of looking through content, whether, um, you know, it's a new face, whether a model is quite established, you know, it's, it's a, we'll get models who you know might want to move agencies, models who, um, you know, might be starting out. It's somebody who has the understanding of what it what it really takes so we really take the time when we sort of narrow down a selection and we see a model that's that's got a different look and somebody that we think um you know will add variety to you know something that our, our clients haven't seen in a long time mm -hmm. um then you know it's not just enough to have the measurements and the look from the pictures and you know you can hear people say that and say it's not just you know enough to to be beautiful or to have you know, uh, great measurements, but really it's, it's not because um, to have a really good understanding and motivation for the industry is what's gonna get that model to go far. So 
often or not what we used to do beforehand is you know we'd go through the application and then we'd have um, interviews where people come in now we've gone okay telephone interviews then interviews you know afterwards to sort of hone it down because actually it is a process where it's a working relationship because we're so hands-on with you guys um, and because we really you know value good communication um, to be able to find a model that would work within bridge is actually to try and find somebody who is looking for that kind of management style yeah. you know there might be a lot of models who um, want to get into the industry or have experienced a different kind of style where you know they might be sitting on a board and they just want to be contacted when they've got a job and you know they don't want to invest too much in their portfolio or you know thanks for the feedback but I'm okay I've got another job that I'm, I'm doing it's not my full-time career etc so really it's, it's actually about finding somebody beyond the pictures and measurements that fits our management style um, that's worked for us and who um, wants to be, you know, assisted in the way that, that we want to assist. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you could have, have, a, have a great model who looks amazing and you'll have a call and you'll talk about what we do and, um, you know, the kind of investment that we sort of expect back from, from the model. And you'll figure out very quickly, um, you know, on that call that it's, it's not the right fit. Mm. Um, and it is very much about that relationship and, and finding out sooner rather than later. Um, so you're not sort of wasting anybody's time, really. Um, mm. So that's, that's really one of the things that we look for, somebody who wants to take our guidance on board who um, has the time to action you know what they really want to achieve and who's able to do so um, you know there's a lot to it's it's an industry that is very hard to get into it's not one that you apply for a job and then you get a booking as mm. as you know it's one that you have to constantly sort of reinvent yourself and reassess it and if something's not working, we've got to change it again. And, and that might be sort of, you know, every three months or so. And, and it takes a certain um, passion to have the motivation to want to do that. And you can find that out quite quickly on, on a call, really, when you're talking to a lot of the, a lot of the applicants. So finding somebody who um, is just as much going to invest time in us and their career as we are in them yeah. is really such a huge priority because we do want to take the time. So if our time's going to be split and we're going to be investing it in taking on a new model, we want to make sure that, you know, it's not, um, it's not one way. And sometimes that happens and, and sometimes, you know, you have to part ways because it's not, it's not the right, not the right fit. So it's not always about the images quite a lot of the time. A lot of it can be just so much about that, that working relationship. What about the influencer market? Has that had an impact on the modeling? It has. It was something that, um, you know, sort of even like eight years ago or something, it was coming through and, um, you know, brands were sort of asking about you know, Twitter and um, what sort of uh, audience and engagement that certain individuals had. Um, and it sort of started with the, you know, bloggers and them doing um, shoots and collaborations with brands. And, uh, you know, it drove me a little bit bonkers to start off with because I was like, oh, bloggers and I'm not necessarily models. Um, and the reason I sort of feel that way is, you know, it is a rite of passage, you know, to have the calls where you're getting, you know, you didn't get the job, you did get the job, you go to castings, you, you know, have the test shoot, you practice, like it is, it is a rite of passage to sort of be able to call yourself a model. Mm -hmm. And I did, you know, it sort of started in that industry, um, to start off with and then it sort of moved to sort of the Instagram market where content was being produced um, you know and to a higher higher standard and even today you know a lot of the content that I'm seeing on, on social media rivals some of the, the content that I've seen for campaigns we've booked <laughs> when I look at, at, the, at the quality um, you know the resolution the imagination etc you know it's it's really opened up that space so what I used to sort of knock as as being um you know just using somebody for for their audience they didn't bring any value to it um apart from an audience I now sort of see actually it's a really creative space that people are able to get into and and it's actually um it's actually been really interesting to to sort of see that that change 
Um, and the influencer market, you know, is, is frustrating because it's one where, you know, clients will ask about the engagement and one that we're constantly sort of having to get on top and hound all, all you guys and tell you how algorithms are changing and we'll bring yeah. you in for a full, a full day of homework. And I've just about <laughs> got my head around it. <laughs> It'll change. It'll all change next week. There'll be a whole new, a whole new policy. But, um, you know, it was one that I kind of, on a personal note, you know, maybe resented for a while that I was, you know, on the social platform of myself and found it exhausting. But actually, when I take a step back and I look at the engagement that you can get from audiences and how inspiring it can be, I did a talk um, at an all-girls school in my uh, in my hometown last year, and they got in touch and they said, um, you know, they're having a lot of issues with um, eating disorders at the moment and, and could I come in and, and do a talk about bridge um, you know they think that it would be really inspiring and, and useful so I went in and um, you know did, did my talk about about the industry and at the end of it you know you had the Q&A and obviously nobody in school puts their hands up yeah. so you say you say at the end okay I'll stick around if there's any questions and then half of them half of them stick up stick around afterwards but a lot of the questions were who can I follow on Instagram who looks like me or who can I, who would you recommend? And th that was a lot of the, they were asking, you know, they wanted to be inspired. Yeah. And so then, you know, that really started to change my mindset that I was in the school, you know, they were um, between 12 and 15 years old and they, they were asked, they were wanting to fill their world with inspirational people and they were just struggling to find them. They were struggling to find people that, um, you know, made them feel more valued in, in the world and in the industry. So then I really saw the impact that it can have when enough investment's done in it, when people take the time to, you know, put their content and their message out there, that yes, you could look at it one way and, and sort of think, oh, you know, is it really impacting? It's a bunch of pictures. And then you can go to a, to a school that, that's really struggling and, and, they're, they're begging to, um, you know, have, have that content and it's not being produced for them um, on on day-to-day -day basis. So that was that was really interesting to sort of experience and see first. It wasn't the questions that I thought I would be getting, but it was, you know, it was really, really interesting. So brands see the value in it. I think advertising budgets, you know, are moving, um, you know, from billboards to, to online digital spaces. Um, you know, and, and as the times are changing, it's all about how many eyes are on what platform. So, you know, you used to get a lot more money as a model doing a billboard campaign because it would be viewed that that would have more exposure and more, um, you know, more eyes on it. Whereas now, actually, the digital space is, is having a lot higher level of interaction. So I think the industry um, and the modeling industry in particular needs to adapt um, to sort of view how the advertising budgets are changing and, and where the where the value is in the content really so it's um it's constantly changing but that's that's a fun that's the fun side of it i think it would be very um it wouldn't be as uh, as engaging as a as a market and as an industry if it was just one one staple suit at all so it's uh it's definitely interesting how do you switch off how do you ever because you are so passionate about it and i know how busy and how hard you work how do you <laughs> What does downtown look like for Charlotte? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I, to switch off, I have to really, I have to, I have to put my phone down um, because it's so easy to get, you know, inspired and caught up in, in the content on, on our phone. So really downtime for me is, spending time with my dog. Um, you know, I have a border collie. Um, so, we, you know, spending time with my dog, going for walks with my dog, having cuddles. He's probably the only one, and, and my partner Luke will probably be um, very disheartened by this, is the only one who can completely distract me. <laughs> with, uh, with He's the only one who can completely distract me, um, you know, because uh, I, just, I just love him to bits, really. So I think downtime for me is, spending time outside as much as possible as I can. Um, you know, working in London can be very groggy. Um, so I love sort of going out to the countryside as much as possible. 
Um, and really cooking, I love, you know, having friends around for dinner. I'm not really, um, you know, a go out in town kind of person. I'd much rather have friends around, open a bottle of wine, you know, cook food, than sort of go to a nice restaurant. I much prefer sort of my home comforts. Um, so really that's, those are the things I sort of enjoy. And then planning, planning trips. I love travel, which obviously is, is on hold at the moment. So, um, so yeah, planning, planning trips or, or looking into, um, you know, cities I haven't visited or experiences, um, you know, that can sort of switch my mind off because I'm, all I'm really doing is planning something else, but that's, (laughs) that's how you can sort of switch off from, from planning one thing and planning one, one market is, uh, it's just to plan, plan another passion project. So, um, <laughs> still, I'm still planning. I'm just moving my, uh, my uh, bucket list of places to go to, to next year. So we'll, uh, we'll put that on for now. <laughs> well, of course, I could have talked to you for so much longer, but the last three questions, do yes. you have a favorite song that always motivates you? Yes. I am a big um, sort of soul R&B fan. I love all of those, um, all of those old, old music. So I pretty much, I love Curtis Mayfield, sort of move on up, like anything with, with brass instruments and trumpets. I used to play the trumpet as a, as a little girl and I just loved like any brass instruments get me sort of really up and motivated. So Curtis Mayfield's definitely like a big go-to for me to sort of make me feel motivated and inspired it used to be my alarm clock that I would like time to sort of wake me up but it got a little bit frustrating for my partner so we've switched it now so <laughs> I think the trumpets were a little bit too much for him to wake up to so, <laughs> so yes anything anything with sort of brass um instruments in it just um yeah it gets me going I, I love them they're some of my favorite and what about a book that's inspired you? Um, I'm not a big lover of, of fiction, so I love a good sort of how-to book. Um, I love um, Talk Like Ted, yeah. um, which is based on the Ted books, and it's one that I've actually bought for friends and family as well because I just I, I absolutely love it and I couldn't put it down. Um, and I just found it so inspirational to read you know not that I'm doing loads of public speaking events but I found it really helped me um you know try and condense um you know my main points when I'm having conversations with individuals you know great to sort of be able to to harness those skills and and really think about how you present yourself on a on a daily basis like I found that I could really apply it to you know different things so um yeah so that's definitely one that still in my bedside sort of cabinet and then I'll pull back out if I want to feel a little bit more sort of you know motivated in in how I uh, in how I come across or or how I want to present something or whether it's um you know a conversation with a friend etc or whether it's you know anything to do with business but I did yeah I really enjoyed that book I really did what's about who inspires you um I get I get really inspired by athletes you know, I'm not a very sporty person myself. It's not, that's not why I get inspired by them. I think it's the, I really love sports psychology. Um, I think the motivation it takes to, to be an athlete, you know, like Anthony Joshua, et cetera, who, you know, are, are at the top of their game, but they have to be so humble and so, um, so disciplined within themselves so really it's it's I do just follow a lot of athletes I read a lot of um biographies because that whole um side of sports psychology actually just just really has always fascinated me you you know you struggle to get me to go to a gym if there isn't a Netflix on the on the running machine so it's not the uh, not because I'm I'm necessarily follow boxing or anything like that but um but yeah I, I do just tend to follow a lot of a lot of athletes like like Anthony Joshua where I just find their approach to the world when they win you know great titles where they're still you know really humble and the when you read about their um you know their, their schedules and their regimes and what they had to do to to get their bodies to such a physical state the the transformation I think you can see the progress and they you know win titles and that 
really inspires me. It's been so lovely to talk to you and to find out more about you today. It's been a real treat. Thank you. Oh, and I can't wait like to be back in London and visiting the offices and being with the team again soon. Exactly, exactly. It won't be long now. Fingers no. crossed. Yeah. Well, take care of yourself. I'd love you to have you as a guest, Charlotte. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. Thank take you. care. Bye. Bye. So if you think you've got what it takes to be a curve model, then you can always contact Charlotte and find out more information, bridge-models.com. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. In the meantime, keep being fabulous. Thank you for listening to this week's Out of the Bubble. And I hope it's left you feeling inspired. I'd love to hear from you. Who inspires you and why? Please get in touch. You can contact me via my website, rachelperumodel.com, or leave a message on the Anchor app. And if you're listening via iTunes, don't forget you can leave feedback. In the meantime, keep being fabulous.